0: Good morning to everyone. It's a pleasure to to be in the Lord's house on a very, very beautiful uh, sunshine morning. Last evening, uh, all of us went through, uh, or there may be a few here perhaps early this morning, um, went through whatever nighttime rituals we go through, and, and at some point uh, closed our eyes and lay down, or lay down, and then closed our eyes and, and got some rest for, for our bodies. We decided that was enough for one day, and, and we needed some rest. Then this morning, at some point, we, we crawled out of bed. Uh, there may be a few here that hit the floor running. Uh, Probably most of us uh, maneuvered one leg out at a time and puttered around with our eyes half open and and at some point we were awake. Uh, That that varies with individuals. But all of us uh, found our bodies refreshed uh, with, with a night's sleep. This morning I'd like to spend some time thinking about Finding rest for our souls. I don't know if that's something you think about much. I don't. Um, there's a certain time in the evening where I become almost non-functional. And it's just just best to, to start sleeping. If I, don't, if I don't do it in bed, I do it other places. So, you know, you just uh, might as well just go on and start, start the night. Uh, and so we, we're pretty familiar with that process. You know, it varies from one indi- individual to another, but we all go through it every day. And we've been doing it for all of our lives. Uh, finding rest for our souls is something we probably don't necessarily think about daily. Uh, something God thinks about. How, how does a person find rest? For the soul. Uh, When is the last time you did that? When is the last time I did that? Is it something I do? Or is it something God does? Is it something that. You know that we need to do on a regular basis. like, Like we rest our bodies. Or is it something you. You do and then. It's done, and, you know, it, it's just kind of like a one-time event. Can it, can it really happen in this life, or is that, is that something that we're looking forward to heaven for? Well, These are some questions that came to my mind as I was thinking about finding rest for my soul. When you think about rest for the soul... Uh, is there any scripture that just kind of pops in your mind? Uh, if so, feel free to, to share it or share what you know of it. Anyone? Definitely the Psalms. I don't have the verses. Okay. The yeah, yeah, the Psalms are just full of. of uh, of David, David probably out of any one recorded in scripture, uh, was very keenly aware of the needs of his soul. And, and we can learn a lot from, from David. Yeah, yeah. Let's turn to that scripture. Matthew chapter 11. This is Jesus speaking. It's it's following pretty closely after that time, remember when uh, John the Baptist was put in prison? And it appears like he went through a bit of discouragement sitting there in prison. And uh, he sent some of his disciples uh, to Jesus. You know, I can never read that scripture without thinking of what our, our school children did here. I don't know, Lowell, Lowell was teaching back then. That's probably, what, eight years ago? I don't know. That's quite a while back. Uh, our, the, the school did a, a Christmas program or sometime during the year they gave a, a, did a program about uh, John the Baptist. And, and the theme was, Blessed is he who is not offended in me. Uh, As this unfolds, uh, the disciples, John's disciples, come to Jesus and say, Are are you the one that that was to come, or do we look for another? It appears like as he sat there in prison, he was starting to doubt a bit. And then following after that, uh, we have these verses at the end of that chapter, starting at verse 28. A great invitation... Jesus, I can, I don't know uh, where he was or exactly, how, but it's almost, you can almost see him stretching out his arms. Come, uh, an invitation for, for mankind. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is inviting you and I to come, come to him. You know, whenever uh, we're extended an invitation, it requires a response on our part. You know, we can reject an invitation. Someone invites us to their house, and we can say, "Ah, uh, no, we have other plans," or, or we can quick make other plans, or you know, we we can kind of reject an invitation, or we can respond, and and we can say, "Sure, we'll be there." Uh, here, Jesus is ex- extending an invitation. And, you know, we raised the question earlier, is this something I do, finding rest for my soul? Is that something I do? Or is that something God does for me? Well, it requires a response on, on our part. If we will come, come to Jesus. If we accept that invitation and we come, Jesus promises rest. Rest. That's, that's his part. That's something he does. He gives us rest. He extends another invitation here. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. These are, these are requirements if we want the rest for our souls that we all so desperately need. Maybe more than we're aware of at times, rest for the soul, take my yoke, uh, you know, join, join up with me, just pull beside me, Let, let's be a team, let's, let's work at this together, you know, if, if you're teamed up with me, you can learn, you can learn a lot from me, I think is what Jesus is saying, I don't know much about uh, teams of horses. I grew up with all the neighbors around us uh, farmed with horses. And so I I didn't experience it firsthand, but I saw it firsthand. And oftentimes a young uh, horse that was just in training was teamed up with one that that was uh, so well-trained it just just automatically happened and and the the one learned from the other. Uh, Jesus is saying, here, come, come beside me and and, uh, you can learn. You can learn from me. Again, this requires a response on our part. Are we going to be willing to be yoked with Christ? Are we going to be willing to be taught by Jesus what it means to find rest for the soul he mentions uh, he is meek and lowly in heart. And it, it appears again like, like these are prerequisites for finding that rest for the soul. There needs to be a meekness, uh, a humility in, in life. And as we, as we see uh, the life of Jesus unfolding here on this earth, uh, very, very meek and humble. The creator of the universe, you know, without a place to lay his head. You know, just enduring, not, not only enduring what it meant to be a human, that in itself was very humbling, but, but a low class of humanity is, is what he, uh, who he identified with much of his time here on this earth. He certainly wasn't, uh, you know, hobnobbing around with the, the upper crust of society for the most part. And, uh, you know, very humble, very, very meek. Turn to First uh, Peter chapter 2. There's uh, an interesting couple verses there that, that speak of this. Of, of uh, Christ's uh, meekness. 1 Peter chapter 2, let's start reading at verse 21. Uh, let's start right there in the middle of the verse. Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. And we're talking about, you know, being teamed up with Jesus, learning from him. So here we are, we want to follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Now when you think of the creator of the universe who has these legions of angels at his disposal being willing to be mistreated by the human beings that he created, uh, that's meekness, to have all that power at his disposal but enduring uh, wrong, committing himself to him that judges righteously. Uh, There's a recipe for, for rest for the soul. You know, so often you and I uh, want to fight for our rights. You know, that was wrong, what they did to me, or that was wrong what was said about me, or that's wrong the way I'm being treated. And, you know, I'm going to throw my weight around here a little and, and set some things straight. That's, that's not what Jesus did. If we're teamed up with Jesus, if we're following in his steps, we're learning from him there's meekness, there's there's humility, there's a willingness to suffer wrong and just lay that all in God's lap, the one who judges righteously. That's, that's, That's when we find rest for our souls, when we're willing to do that. Just give it to him. Let him take care of that. Uh, much easier said than done. We we all we all know that Jesus in the in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know he was he was wrestling with this whole thing. You know he was in in human flesh, and his flesh could feel pain just like your body feels pain. And not only could he feel pain, but but he fully understood the pain that was coming. Much more than the thieves that were going to experience the same thing. They maybe knew too that they were going to be crucified. But they didn't know how bad it hurt. Jesus knew how bad it was going to hurt. And he was, his flesh was shrinking from, from that. There in the garden. You know, Isn't there some other way? Uh, but he was willing. He was willing to to go through what, whatever the Father wanted. Again, this, this is a recipe for rest for the soul. So often we get tied up in knots about things that, that God wants us just to resign to Him and let Him take care of it in, in His wisdom and in His way and in His timing. If only you and I would find ourselves more often responding to situations like Jesus did. We would, we would find a lot more rest for, for our souls. Let's turn to Acts chapter 7. What comes to mind when you think of Acts chapter 7? Anyone? The chapter is following. We start following the life of uh, of Saul, and he becomes Paul. But what happens just before that? Okay, Stephen is martyred, and Stephen has this long sermon. Uh, <clears throat> and the longer he preaches, the more angry people get at him, and it ends up with, uh, with Stephen being stoned. We want to think a little bit about forgiveness, this whole area of finding rest for the soul. Forgiveness is a huge part of finding rest for our soul. When we are unwilling to... Uh, to forgive others, we are unwilling to forgive ourselves. We are unwilling to uh, seek forgiveness from others. Uh, we can't find. We can't find rest for the soul without forgiveness. Forgiveness is a huge part of finding rest for our souls. Here in uh, Acts. 7, let's pick up here at the end of the story, uh, at verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now that's, that's something you and I never saw, probably never will see, never want to see, but that, that's getting pretty bad. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, behold I see the heavens open and the son of man standing in the on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran on upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. We see Stephen here, it appears with the very last breath that God gave him. He pled for the forgiveness of those that were we ending his life. What a, what a picture of a godly man whose soul was at rest. Stephen's soul was at rest. He was not dealing with angry thoughts, he was not bitter at the people that were hurling stones at him. It hurt, he knew he was dying. His soul was at rest. His his heart was overflowing with forgiveness for those who were killing him. In uh, Genesis chapter 42 we have uh, the story of of Joseph. A very familiar story and it's probably one of of the better examples in scripture of, of what it means to you forgive that's a very long story we we won't read it all but uh, we're familiar with it and we know how Joseph was was sold into Egypt by his brothers and and he got there in Egypt he was a slave but a very responsible slave and and he he kind of found favor with his master and, and rose up through the places of responsibility in his master's house and then he was falsely accused and he goes to prison and and again he kind of finds favor with those in charge of the prison and kind of rises up through the ranks there as, about as high as you can go in a prison and uh, it seems like to me that that's somewhere in there, and I don't know when it happened, but at some point, Joseph forgave his brothers and decided that almighty God has a purpose in all of this. And I'm going to find out what that purpose is, and I'm going to be the best uh, Joseph that I can be. And, and he just went about his life with that attitude. And I don't know when that started. I don't know... I'm, I disagree with a lot of people on the life of Joseph and probably disagree with some of you, but I think Joseph was not the, the rebellious, proud, smarty-pants guy that everybody make him to be back in his father's house. I think there were some good things happening back there already. Uh, you know, you take a, a proud, you know, smarty-pants take him away from everybody he knows, and put him in another country where he don't know anybody, put temptation in front of him, he don't turn into an angel. That just don't work that way. Uh, so I think there were some good things were happening in Joseph's life before he ended up in, in Potiphar's house. Uh, you can disagree with me. Uh, that's fine. A lot of people do. Uh, but, that's, but Joseph, you know, at some point, we would all agree, some really good things started happening in Joseph's life. And he dealt with this whole thing of what his brothers did to him and what God Almighty had in mind. But his brothers, it, it's interesting here. We're, we're talking this morning about finding rest for our souls. Uh, we have a little window into what was going on in the hearts of the brothers, so the, the famine sets in, and the brothers are running out of food, and they hear there's food in Egypt. Now, we know that, that there's at least, what, uh, nine? Five, seven, nine? somewhere in there. Years, at minimum, have, 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 have gone by, probably longer by now, but it's, there's a number of years here. It's not just months. And... Uh, the brothers find themselves in front of Joseph. Of course, they don't know it. this is Joseph, but he knows them. And when he starts dealing a little rough with them and tells them, you know, you, your, your brother, the brother that didn't come along, you know, he needs to come. I, I want to see him. I want to see if what, what all you're saying is true. Are, are you men spies or are you, are you just just saying what you think I want to hear? Or, you know, I want, I want to know what you're saying is true. And at this point, they have no idea where Joseph is or that he's even part of this whole picture. But in chapter 42, verse uh, let's start at verse 19. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison, and go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses. But bring your youngest brother unto me, So shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, do not sin against the child, and ye would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. So here the brothers find themselves in a situation that, that's kind of difficult. Where do their minds immediately go? Their minds immediately go back years to how they treated their younger brother, having no idea that he's standing right there. Uh, that's, that's what happens when, when we don't deal with things in our lives. Joseph dealt with how he was mistreated and his soul was at rest even though he was very badly mistreated. The brothers were still, their souls were not at rest at all They were immediately feeling guilty that somehow this situation we're in now is connected to the wrong we did back there. It gives us a window into what they were dealing with in their hearts. If we go back a few chapters to chapter 45, uh, here Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And again, they are extremely frightened. I mean, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that this man here has the power to do anything he wants to to us. And, and he, could, uh, he could make us pay dear for what, what we did to him. But here's Joseph's response uh, verse 7 of chapter 45 And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the land and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. We're coming back again, like we saw in some earlier scriptures. Leaving things in God's hands is where we find rest for our souls. When we try to handle things ourselves, try to figure things out ourselves, try to to do it our way, there's no rest for the soul but here joseph says it really wasn't you it was god god had a bigger picture a bigger plan and and now we're starting to see it that's that's the way to have rest for for our souls Let's go to, uh, to some examples in the New Testament. Uh, Luke chapter 19, we see a man uh, finding rest for his soul. Luke 19, another very familiar story. It's uh, the story of Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus was not a well-liked man. And I'm not sure Zacchaeus really liked himself that well. Uh, he was rich. He, uh, he made his riches at other people's expense, which we all do to some, to some degree. But, uh, but people did not like giving Zacchaeus money. They hated him for it, really. And he was keenly aware of that, I think. Zacchaeus was a little man, and I spent my first uh, 16 years always being the little guy <laughs> in school. I was always the little guy. Uh, still not very big, but I was just always the little, you know, the girls were all bigger than me even, and you know, I was just this little guy. That, that's not a good feeling, to just be the little guy. Uh, but here, he's a grown man, and he's still the little guy that that can't even see his way around in a crowd, he has to climb up a tree. And um, he probably didn't really like that about himself. He probably didn't really like that people hated him because he was rich and he took their money to get rich. Uh, so I think we've, we've, we see here probably a pretty miserable man. But he heard about Jesus, and he wanted to see Jesus uh, that's, that was one of the, the wisest things this little man ever did was to seek out Jesus. And Jesus was looking for him and invited himself to, to Zacchaeus' house. And they were uh, there visiting and, and we don't really know what all they talked about, what all transpired. But at some point in this visit, Zacchaeus stands up in verse 8 and says unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, forasmuch as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Here was a, a troubled man that found rest for his soul. He no longer saw his, his riches and his wealth as, as his security and his, the one bright spot in his other, otherwise uh, troubled life. He, he found in Jesus... Rest, rest for his soul. Back in Luke chapter 12, we have the story of uh, Jesus. And he, uh, I think we'll take time to read this. Let's start reading at verse 13. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, man, who made me to judge to be a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. That's something we're still trying to learn today, isn't it? <laughs> we still kind of think that, you know, that's that's really where it's at. You know, the more The more we can accumulate, the more we can have, the that's that's where contentment is. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This shall I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow my fruits and my goods. We're talking this morning about finding rest for the soul. Here this man thought, you know, if I can just somehow find a way to keep all this, all this bountiful harvest. You know, there may have been uh, many poor people around him. Maybe he had laborers on his farm that were very, very poor. That he could have easily, you know, dispersed with this extra quite quite nicely and blessed a lot of people's lives. But no, he, he wanted he wanted to to build his, his uh, estate up, and you know, I can just enjoy life. I can find rest for my soul, I think he was thinking. But no. There was no rest for his soul in those things. Not at all. A lesson that, that you and I are still working at learning that that's not where you find rest for the soul in the abundance of things. We could go back uh, to Luke. Luke 15, another familiar story. The, the prodigal son, uh, another lengthy story we won't read. But we, we all know the story quite well. You know, he went and, and enjoyed life. Uh, he just had all the pleasures that, that he could think of. And he ended up, you know, in a pig pen. Discouraged, hungry, and He was a beaten man. There was was no rest for his soul, day or night. He was a troubled young man. He just didn't know where to turn. And he started thinking of his father and and how good he had it before he left home. And he made a decision. You know, I'm going to go back there. I can be one of my father's haired mans and be way better off than I am here working for, for this man. He doesn't even feed me. And so he goes. He goes back to, to his father. Let's pick up at verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many haired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my Father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Confession, confession, repentance, a big part in rest for the soul. When we just fight that, we don't want to confess, we don't want to admit that we were wrong, we don't want to turn around and go back. There's no rest for the soul until there's confession and repentance. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put on a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again, he was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. We'll stop there. The the real point of this whole thing is the rest of the, the passage dealing with the elder brother, and too often that's who we are in this story. We're at different times in our life. We're at different places. But, uh, you know, all of us were the prodigal son at one point, but all of us were the elder son at one point as well. But let's, let's think of this whole thing of confession and repentance. That is the path. That is the path to having rest for our souls. This this young man did not expect that kind of a welcome back home to the Father. But God wants to welcome each and every one of us back to him if if we strayed or when we strayed like, like the prodigal son here. That kind of a welcome is there for us But it requires confession, repentance, to find that rest that God so desperately wants to give to us. We could read, uh, like I think it was Craig mentioned, uh, the Psalms. You know, David. David was a man who, who sinned greatly, but he knew what it was like to have rest for his soul. It took confession. It took repentance. And, and he wept bitterly. And, and he, he dealt with the consequences of his sin the rest of his life. And today, you know, it's amazing. A number of years ago, I was going regularly to the Rustburg Jail. It's amazing how many men today justify their sin because of King David. He was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says it. And look, look how he sinned. They used that to justify, here thousands of years later, to justify their sin, King David's sin. King David never realized that for thousands of years people would do that. So it, there are a lot of consequences for sin. But David found peace. He found rest for his soul. By confessing and repenting. Yeah, the the consequences were still there. But his soul was at rest. Back at the beginning, we raised some questions about what it means to find rest for our soul. Is this something God does? Or is it something you and I do? Uh, I think the answer is it's both. He extends the invitation. Come. Find rest for your soul. But we must respond. We must respond to that invitation. We must be willing to be yoked up with Christ and learn from him. We ask, is this a one-time experience? Or is this an ongoing thing? I think we must conclude that it's ongoing. It happens again and again. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is such a key part of rest for our soul. Jesus taught his disciples time and time again, you must forgive and forgive and forgive without number. You just be willing to extend forgiveness indefinitely to, to those who sin against you. Paul, Paul indicated that he dies daily to self. You know, these these are ongoing things that you and I must deal with in order to have rest for, for our souls is this something that that is a one time experience uh, that we experience here in this life or is this something that that really is going to be heaven we don't really have rest for the soul here it's, it's something we look forward to in heaven uh, I think it's both. There's rest for the soul here. Ultimately, the, the rest we have in heaven will be far superior to the rest we have for our souls here. But we, we all know, I hope we all know, what it's like to have rest for the soul here in, in this life. You know, when we follow Christ, we follow his steps, we, we live Uh, To the best of our ability, with the resurrection power, like we were talking about in Sunday school class, there is rest for the soul here. Yeah, it's something we work at. We, We keep coming back. We forgive again. We confess. We repent again. And then there's rest for the soul. And then again, we need to repent and confess and forgive. And then there's rest for the soul. In heaven, it will be rest for the soul throughout eternity. But we have, we can experience it here. Hebrews 4.9 says, There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. I think that's speaking of heaven. I don't know what was going through your mind here a number of weeks ago when this ex-police officer, uh, Christopher, some news reports called him uh, Donner and some Dorner, uh, I'm not sure which, which is correct, but, uh, you know, I, I felt sorry for that man. I really did. I don't know why it hit me. I really felt sorry for him. Yeah, he was, he was, he was terrible. I mean, you know, there was nothing. He deserved uh, a terrible death for all that he was doing. But I had to think, you know, what, what is the longing of that man's heart? What does he really desire? What does he really want? He really wanted rest for his soul. That is really what he wanted. But he was going about it in all the wrong ways. He thought, if I can just kill off as many as my former police officers as I can, somehow that's going to bring some contentment and satisfaction. What a a twisted up mind. If only he would have known the joy of forgiveness if he could have just forgiven. You know, maybe there were some wrongs committed against him in life. If he could have just known the joy of forgiveness. He could have had everything he longed for. Did he know? Did he know about this invitation? Come. Come to me. Did he know Jesus? Did he, had he ever heard? I had to wonder these things as... As uh, that whole story was unfolding, what a what a troubled, a troubled end to a, to a troubled life. But I'm afraid, too often you and I uh, do some of the same things—not to the extreme he did—but but we go about things all the wrong way. We, you know, all of us desire—we desire rest for our soul. But we we go about it so often in, in the wrong ways. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That is a a wonderful invitation, a wonderful promise, a wonderful opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. And we will never, we will never regret having, having done that. Shall we have a song?